Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series right up there. I'm very excited about this series, and uh, I got turned on to this, this topic through Bob Shadian's class that he did multiple times. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about over the next uh, month or so is going to be based on this book. It's called The The Upside Down Kingdom, and uh, it's a very, very good read. I'd encourage you, if you want to get more uh, detail as to what we're talking about this month, month or so, I'm not quite sure how far this one's going to go, uh, but you can purchase that book. Uh, There's a new edition out, Anniversary Edition, 100,000 Souls, not bad for a book. One day. One day I'll write a book. It's on my bucket list. All right. So that's the book that gets all the plagiarism issues off. Oh, thank you. Plagiarism issues off the table. I didn't come up with it. All right. So, John chapter 18. Open your Bible. We're going to start right there, right, uh, right off the bat. Before I give you the title, before I give you the big idea, John chapter 18. I'm going to set the tone here. And we're going to look at verse 28 and read 10 verses. It says this. Then I led Jesus from Caiaphas's, the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Uh, themselves, Otherwise, they would be defiled and be unable to eat the Passover. Now, I just love that. I can never read past that without, like, taking a pause. These are the religious leaders, and they're taking Jesus, an innocent person, to be murdered, yet they're not going to break their little laws about going into, Kaya, going into Pilate's house. Because they want to be able to pick, like, take the Passover, by the way. <laughs> that, would be, you know, that would be awful. But killing an innocent person, that's fine. We can justify just about anything, can't we? All right. 29. So Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handled him or handed him over to you. Pilate told them, you take him and judge him according to your law. And this is, they, they, they tip their hand here. It's not legal for us to put anyone. So the Jews declared, they said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating they that what kind of death he was going to die, a Roman death, at the hand of pagans. That's, that was the fulfillment of that. Verse 33, Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then. Pilate asked, you say that I'm a king. 
Jesus replied. Now, that's an interesting statement. You say that I'm a king. Jesus can't even say yes to that question because of the implications of what a yes would mean. A yes is, yeah, I'm a king, just like you're thinking I'm a king. And Jesus is like, it's so, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Yes and no and yeah. You say I'm a king. We'll go with that. All right? Um, you say I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Okay, this truth that Jesus is testifying is the answer to the question. Are you a king? You say I'm a king, but I'm here to testify the truth. It's very different than what you are thinking of kingship. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate spits back, what is truth? What is truth? I can only see Jesus give a little bit of a smirk at that point saying, he's standing in front of you. Right here. I'm right here. So this is what we're going to be trying to discover over the next few weeks. What is truth? Jesus is born to be a king. His kingdom is not of this world. He says this. It functions in a different way. And if we listen to his voice, we can learn the truth as well. He actually says, those who know the truth, listen to my voice. Which means you can actually know Veritas, you can know truth. That's what he's saying. And I believe that he actually makes that personal. You can know the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can know me in a personal way. And those who know me know the truth. So week one, the title of week one is Down is Up. Down is Up. And the big idea of the message is this. The central theme of the ministry and teaching of Jesus was an inverted, upside-down kingdom that challenged the status quo. I'll leave that up. Leave that up on the wall for a couple seconds just in case people are taking notes because that's a long one. The central theme of the ministry and teaching of Jesus was an inverted, upside-down kingdom that challenged the status quo. It is natural to, you, to us to see people in positions of influence and power at the top of the social economic ladder. Put that graphic up. Hey, there you are. You see, we're trained this way. We're trained to see the wealthy, the highly educated, the politically powerful, the beautiful celebrities, the cultural elite. We see them to be more important, for their thoughts have more clout and their power is unchecked. If you want to be great, you must climb that ladder. See, see the, the king on top? He's happy. He's doing good up there. And then the people like right below him, they're kind of like, they're like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then as you get down, you get like the, the sad faces all the way down and some bewildered faces and some like, eh, this thing. I mean, it's, 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 it's nice on the top, but it isn't really not. 
because heavy is the head who wears the crown, right? But if you, if you want to be great, our society tells us you have to climb this ladder. The top of the heap is all that matters. Mark chapter 10 says this. And Jesus called them over and said to them, meaning to his disciples, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. This is the graphic we're seeing. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you will be your servants. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. A little different take on it, isn't it? No, it's a lot of different take on it. Jesus inverts the leadership ladder and puts the greatest at the bottom. Throw it up. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be cool while you're doing it. Right? Leaders can be cool, but the, the, it's inverted, and it's heavy, and it's, it's somewhere where the, the greatest in the room is the one who's the greatest servant. I want to thank those who are serving on Sunday mornings. Pete and Gary put their aprons on this morning and made coffee for all you and cut up Danish. These were guys who were on the ushers team and now we've asked them to come along and, and help make coffee and stuff like that and they did it without a, a hesitation. You took your apron, I'm glad you took the apron off. That was a little weird. The frills on it, I don't know man. You do you. I don't know. Uh, but we've, we're changing things up a little bit. And to see some of my guys in the back cutting up Danish and stuff like that, it makes me, it makes me happy. Because that's leadership. What, make cutting up donuts is leadership? Absolutely. Did you enjoy your donut this morning? That was served to you by somebody. It doesn't just pop into existence. The person in the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who helps the most people. Listen, if you're writing stuff down, write this down. The person who is the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who helps the most people to achieve their God-given potential by climbing on the soul, shoulders to reach God's will for them. I am great in the kingdom if I let you get on my shoulders to reach God's potential for you. That's what makes somebody great in the kingdom of God. I actually get down and hoist you up so you can meet your potential. That is greatness in the kingdom of God. It's so different than the world. That's why we're so big on service in this church. That's why we left Alma so we could better serve our community. That was the whole point. We took a whole year. I was talking to the uh, area presbytery the other day. He was asking me, he's like, what are you guys doing now? Because the Assemblies of God district. He's like, what? I heard some things. What's going on? Are you guys in a theater? What, what happened to the old building? And all that? So I told him what happened. He's like, oh, man, how many people did you lose from that? I said, not many. Church was, it was 100%. I mean, it's been awesome. And he was like, your people are awesome. I said, yeah, they are. I would say 
we had a moment of greatness in the kingdom of God where we said, we're going to inconvenience ourselves so that we can do the will of God. And we set up in a theater and tore down in a theater for three years. Glad that's over. Holy cow. That was a lot, though. But I'm telling you, people came in, and they did jobs, and they, and, and they, and they served weekly so that people could hear the gospel. That's why we have, in our church, we have service partners instead of members. It's vitally important. That's why we encourage everyone to serve in some capacity. If you're not serving, come talk to me. That's why it's so important to be in service. Not in service, but in service. A lot of churches, man, I'm telling you, people come and they come to service. Which, which actually means they come to be served. But we say, no, one or two weeks out of the month, we are going to serve. And as we get back from this pandemic, we want to get back on that, that service train. We don't want to get too comfortable. One of the things that this pandemic does is throwing people for a loop. What we, I, I was listening to the other day, somebody was saying, that this length of time, out of routine, rewires people's brains, like chemically. So like people who were att church attenders every week, they've gotten out of routine now, and they just, it's hard to get, hard to break back in. And we're seeing, we do see that. I'm so glad that people are coming back. It's so good to see you back in the house of the Lord. And we're in a more of a, a substantial place right now. So it might get to the place where you're like, nah, I think I'd just like to come to service. No! God's word says no! We, are encouraged, we encourage everyone to serve in some capacity. Life is going to hit and try to crowd out the kingdom priorities. That's what the, the pandemic showed us. But we must remember that God has called us to serve one another. Period. So back to, back to the, the narrative here. Even from the early time, the time of Jesus' birth, there was an expectation that Jesus was going to turn the status quo on its head. Following the angel's announcement to Mary, mother of Jesus, Mary gave an amazing prophetic song. I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 49 through 53. says this, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in the Lord God, my salvation, because he has, looked, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because the Mighty One has done great things for me. And His name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. Now, zone in on this 51 through 53. And He has done a mighty deed with His arm. 
He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. This is even before Jesus was born. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. There was an expectation on Jesus before, even before his birth that he was going to change things. Those at the top of the pyramid, the proud, the rich, and the mighty are toppled. Stripped of their thrones, they go away empty Meanwhile, the poor and the hungry, those at the bottom of the pyramid, take a surprise ride to the top. Mary, a poor peasant girl from Galilee, at an, uh, of all, I mean, think about Galilee. There's statements made in the Bible, like, can anything good come from Galilee? Nazareth? Like, it's just, it's just not where kings come from. It's not where uh, the elite come from. Not, and, one of the disciples were talking one time, they're like, are these guys Galileans? Shouldn't they be like, the implication is, shouldn't they be stupid? Uneducated? So Mary, a poor peasant girl from Galilee, of all places, expects the Messianic king to flip her social world upside down. Or right side up. The rich, the mighty, the proud of Jerusalem elite circles will be banished, and the humble farmers and shepherds of the countryside will be exalted and honored. We see this in the way in, Jesus, the way in which Jesus came into the world through the story of uh, his birth, Christmas. There was no elites there. There were shepherds and pagans. Okay? Jesus is flipped, even from his conception, even from his birth, he's flipping the script. So, what exactly is the kingdom of God. Well, I'm going to give you the short of it, and then we're going to be studying it over the next few weeks. Let me give you a quick, a quick synopsis. In its simplest definition, the kingdom of God, like all other earthly kingdoms, refers to the dynamic rule or reign of the king. God. So that the dynamic rule or reign of the king. This has to do with God's intentions, his authority, and ruling power. It doesn't refer to a territory or a particular place, nor is it static. Okay, it didn't happen in a, in a particular location, geographical area, and it, you know, that was there, and it's, you got to go there, Right? It happened one place, and now we have to make a pilgrimage to get... No, that's not how his kingdom works. Kingdom reign takes place in the midst of the world's ballpark, but it's an entirely different game with special rules and a new coach. The other day I was watching a soccer game with my son, the uh, New England Revolution, or they would call it football. And I'm like, it was like, it's one of those pathetic games that you watch, and, like, there's nobody in the stands. Like, these guys, I, I loved during COVID when they were piping in crowd sounds. That was hilarious. Like, I could just picture the guy up in the booth, like, okay, 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 score, Gah! you know, push the, push the button that goes, woo 
you know. Um, but I was noticing, like, where is it? Where are they playing? And it took me a while to figure it out, but they were playing at Gillette Stadium. It didn't look anything like Gillette Stadium. It was football, but not like we're used to. It's the same park, different game, different rules, different coach. I can only picture one of those guys coming out of the locker room when the Patriots are playing. Oh, no. He's got, like, little tiny shorts on. No. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> different game. Totally different game. In its simplest definition, the kingdom of God, like other earthly kingdoms, is God's reign. But it's always in flux, always becoming, spreading, and growing. The kingdom points us not to the place of God, but to God's ruling activities. Not to a place. Remember at the... uh, there's a story in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where Jesus visits a woman at the well in Samaria. We've talked about this in the past. Samaria is, uh, was a place that was separated from the Jewish, it was in the Jewish nation, but it was kind of separate because of the racism of the time and things like that. Anyway, they worshipped God at Mount Gerizim, which is an ancient place of worship, and they did that because they weren't really, they weren't allowed in the Temple Mount. So she was talking to Jesus. She's like, well, we worship on the mountain, and you guys worship in Jerusalem. And she says, there's a time coming. And in fact, it's already here because I'm here. Where it's not going to matter where you worship. It says God is looking for worshipers because God is a spirit He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. The kingdom of God is not static. It's not geographical. The kingdom of God is among us when the rule and the reign of God is at play. With undeniable eloquence and clarity, God unveiled the very nature of his kingdom throughout concrete acts of a person. That person is Jesus. We could get the best picture of what the kingdom is all about by looking at the person of Jesus Christ. So over the next few weeks, we're going to see how Jesus announces the arrival of the kingdom at the outset of his, of his ministry, frequently introduces parables as examples of the kingdom, preached about kingdom life in the Sermon on the Mount. We can touch on that. Welcome the advance of the kingdom in his teachings on, the, on how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Even the vocabulary of the kingdom was consistently on Jesus' lips. Above all, Jesus lived the kingdom out in front of humanity. He lived it out. That's why the Gospels are so powerful. That's how you can take a person who is an unbeliever, tell them to read the Gospel of John, and have that person come out without any explanation about the Gospel of John, and be like, wow, this is something significant. 
because they see it in the life of Jesus, that it's different. His words and behavior offer us the best clues to solving the riddle of the kingdom. If we want to know the truth, remember Pilate, what is truth? If we want to know the truth about the kingdom, we must ask ourselves, WWJD. Remember those bracelets? There's about as many of those bracelets in landfills now as there will be masks at the end of this, the pandemic. There was, remember that? They were everywhere. People wearing them, like 15 on their arms when I was in college and, you know, on their ankles. And... But it's a good thing to think about. What would Jesus do? We could unpack the kingdom when we ask those questions. Throughout the, throughout the Gospels, Jesus presents the kingdom as a new order, breaking in upon and overturning old ways, old values, and old assumptions. As kingdom citizens, we can't assume that things are right just because that's the way they are. See, we're, we're saturated. We're saturated by a culture that tells us that this is the way it is. And our culture is, as it has been forever, corrupt. It's very me-centric. It's, it's narcissistic. It's egocentric. It says, whatever is good for advancing me is good. But as we saw before, the kingdom priorities are different. Whatever is good for advancing God's potential in you is what I want to see happen. And I will give myself to that goal. I will let you sit on my shoulders to get you to new heights in Christ. We're soaked in a culture that says that wealth is paramount. And it's so important to be, you know, keep up with the Joneses. We see in the kingdom of God that Jesus says that the widow's might was the greatest gift ever. Giving all you have to God is greater in the kingdom than you becoming the Joneses 2.0. True. I agree with you. It's sad. was a guy, we always pick on this one guy, because in our family we've coined this phrase from this one guy, it is what it is. Eh, it is what it is. Really? Well, this stinks, so can we make it not what it is? Eh, it is what it is. Really? That's really disappointing, <laughs> because what it is stinks. So we have to, we can't just go and what, you know, it is what it always is, or it is, it's supposed to be the way it is. No. We have to flip the script. It's actually completely different. Kingdom priorities, kingdom uh, mentality is completely different than what you're going to get in our society today. And it takes courage. Let me tell you something. It takes courage. To go against the flow takes courage. To go again, to, to, to raise this up, 
and say, no, this is my standard, is going to get you called things like hateful and a bigot, intolerant. To stand on the Word of God and to, to, to keep kingdom principles in your life, it's going to bring some ridicule. I got it. I'm going to let you in on a little, little secret here. The king of the kingdom was crucified for these things. Just heads up. And it says this, if they persecute me, not Jesus, guess what? They're going to persecute you. And then he says something crazy. Good job. When, you, when, when that happens, you know you're on the right track. Count it all joy. That's not normal. That's not the way it is. It's the way it should be. The upside-down lens sharpens the distinction between God's kingdom and the kingdoms of this world, the rule of this world. That lens sharpens us to be able to see the truth. The truth. So as we end this morning, I just want to pray for us. Us. Whenever I prepare a sermon series, I get like 90% of the conviction, you guys get 10. Because it's me too. We're all working on this, right? So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you didn't keep us in the dark as to your priorities, your wishes, your desires. And you didn't keep us unequipped. You gave us your power to be able to do it. Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit so that we could live the kingdom life. So that we could know truth. And that we could live it. We could have the power to be witnesses of the kingdom in a hostile world where their systems are completely opposite. Lord, I pray right now for my brothers and my sisters. If we go through this series in the next month or so, that you would give us hearts that are open to your rule and your reign. Hearts that are open to the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to do what you're asking us to do. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters as I pray for myself that we would be citizens of the kingdom. Lord, we live in the kingdom of this world, but we are citizens of a greater kingdom. Same ballpark, different game. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we had today to worship you, to praise you, to enjoy your presence, and to sit at your feet. Teach us, guide us, empower us by your holy name. Amen. So, be it.